You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, David Hall. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are a few of the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. John Curley. Hello, iRacers. Justin Pearson. What's up, my friends? I feel like I'm reading names off of the Oscar. The way I was reading that. All right. On today's show, we welcome Dave Allen, coordinator for the Sean Timmerman Memorial Event. We look at why sim racing is a good hobby, and we find out the highest combined I rating on the service, and does it really make them the best driver in the sim? Yeah, that's right, Dave. And if you join us on irishslounge.com and select show notes, you'll be able to see all these great stories and products we'll be discussing on today's show. So log in, check it out, and we'll see you there at the irishslounge.com. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best to have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. And welcome to the show, Dave Allen. A little bit different guest uh, on the show this week. Uh, Dave is the coordinator for the Sean Timmerman Memorial Event. Welcome to the show, Dave Allen. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. All right. Well, great. Tell us what's going on with this uh, big memorial event that we're putting together for uh, in memorial of Sean Timmerman. Yep. On uh, October 24th, um, we lost. Uh, in, in my opinion, one of the best eye racers uh, of all time, uh, Sean Timmerman. And he was near and dear to my heart and uh, like a little brother to me. So I actually had been kind of retired from eye racing for a little bit. And then once this happened, uh, I felt like it was my duty to get on here and try and do something to honor him and his family. Okay, very good. Well, let's talk about Sean a little bit and get to know him. Uh, he's been involved in iRacing, and, you know, I went and looked at his uh, stats on the stat page, and wow, I was impressed. It looks like he's been in the World of Outlaws uh, Sprint Car Championship at least one year, um, and his winning percentage in, in Dirt Oval is some crazy 43% overall. Um Looking just at his last 10 events, you know, he won three of them. Yeah, he's, we called him an alien because the stuff that he could do in a car was not from this earth. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty amazing to watch. And uh, he, he actually mentored me a lot um, for my pro series and helped me get to that level. And uh, I wasn't very good there, but he helped me get to that level. So um, Sean was... Again, he was, uh, I would say, one of my one of my best friends, and uh, it, just him on the sim was just absolutely amazing. And I have the kind of personality like I'm I'm a straight shooter, and you, 
I want somebody to just be blatantly honest with me, and that is Sean to a T. Uh, he he doesn't hold back at all. I mean, if you're terrible, he's going to tell you you're terrible, but he's going to sh- he would show you how to fix it, um, and he would spend the time to to help you out, and and not just me. You know, I was a close friend of his, but even you know people that were newer to the team or you know just random people at times, if they asked him for help, he would help. Now he wasn't going to go, you know, and look to them and tell them, Hey, I can help you. But he, you know, he would, if they asked, he would help. Right. And I took some time to look at the uh, M nine performance, uh, Facebook page where you guys talk a lot about what's going on with the team and the racing. And yeah, it it looks like uh, he's definitely involved in what's going on there too. Yeah. He was actually, um, before this happened, he was running for, uh, pros again. He actually ran last year, for pros, uh, easily made it, and iRacing said no because he had uh, he had done this funny thing where he wanted to drop his i rating to zero, and then come back and see how long it would take him to get back. And so he did that, and he got banned for that because um, they they said that he was basically stealing i rating from uh, lesser competitors, which it is what it is. But he, you know, he took his punishment and didn't run last year and now this year um his first he ran four races one he he didn't do great in but even with only running those races he still finished inside inside the top 20 finished in 17th place with only running that amount of races because he was just dominating the qualifier series so um it was pretty neat to see that that going on just because that's to me that's where he belonged so um the m9 team uh throughout this entire process has just been unbelievable even to be honest with you the entire iRacing community has been just amazing so after it happened the family asked me to put a post out on facebook about it and um and i did and i had people from nascar messaging me not nascar not e-nascar but from nascar messaging me because that's the impact that sean had um he started his career out on the pavement side and um he actually got to go work on some nascar teams at a at an early age and then transitioned to dirt and um fell in love with it and just that's never looked back and that's all he ran for the last several years was the dirt side but it was just really neat to see the amount of people and the love that people had for for sean and i didn't even realize as a good friend of him how much impact he had on the community uh which was really neat to see i mean looking at the stats across all the different dirt oval oval road dirt road I mean, his winning percentage is higher than 10% across the board. So, so you're right. I mean, it didn't matter what discipline he was running. He ran well. The other thing, I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the I rating dropped to zero because I was talking to Jeff before this, before the show, uh, when I was looking at the stat, I was like, wow, this is interesting. He went from like 8,500 down to zero, like literally zero. But what was even better is he brought it right back up the 6,500 or wherever it was. And that is quite an accomplishment to tell you the truth. Yeah. When you get to that level, like, and I'm sure you know that it's almost impossible to gain I rating in any race and you lose so much just by not doing fantastic 
So for him to get all the way back to 6,500 in that time frame, I mean, there's people that have been on the sim for years and years that have never gotten to that level. And, and he got back up there in uh, less than a year. All right. And so you're, you're putting together this event, Dave. Uh, tell us more about what the event is and what the goal is and, and uh, what's going on with that. So the event is a sprint car race because that's what Sean loved the most is sprint cars. And um, so the event's going to be uh, at Eldora. It's going to be on December 21st. There's no entry required. Uh, the biggest thing that will make the biggest impact for his family is the car turnout. So they want to see how many people basically, you know, knew Sean um, or were supporting Sean. And as of right now, we're sitting at like 265 entries for this race. Um, we are taking donations for the family, but nothing's required. If, if, you, if you have money to give and you can, fantastic. But that's not important. The important thing is, is that we're all there uh, in memorial of Sean and, you know, everybody's there having a good time and just, just remembering him. So there's, there's a special award for the person that wins. It's not cash. It's just a, a trophy of sort. Um, the best paint scheme that honors Sean the most, there's an award for that as well. Um, and I think that there's going to be one other award, but it's not disclosed what it's going to be yet. Um, and then there's going to be some other special things that happen for the family during the race. Um, the entire family, uh, Sean's entire family is having a watch party where they're going to watch this. It's streamed live um, on UDTV. Um, and they're, the entire family is so excited about this. They can't wait for it. I mean, me too. I'm beyond ecstatic about the turnout so far. I think we're going to reach somewhere between 300 and 350 cars which should make it the biggest dirt race ever on the sim. Uh, and we're going to have prelims that start at 7 o'clock Eastern time, and they're going to go off every 15 minutes, and we're going to dwindle down the field 60 cars. And 60 cars are going to take the, 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 the green flag at Eldora for the feature. We're going to have 60 cars on the track at once. So it should be a pretty exciting thing to watch. might be a little chaotic for the feature, but... Um, it's going to be 50 laps, so we're actually going to do it in two segments. Um, you can't get that much fuel in the car for uh, at Eldora to run a full 50 laps on in one session. And so um, it's going to be fantastic. Everybody's there to have a good time, so there's no negativity allowed, anything like that. People are just, if, if you're negative, we don't need to be around you. So um, that's the entire what we're looking for is basically just to show everybody that just by being a little bit nicer to everybody, um, it, it can make their day. Cause we just never really know what's going on in someone else's life at the other side of that screen. So they could be just having a bad day at work and you get on here and say hi to somebody. It can change their day around. People don't realize that. But on the other side of that, you can, you know, call somebody a negative name or something like that just because you got spun out or something. And, you know, it can ruin their day. It can take them from having a great day to a terrible day. You know, in today's society, we just need more more people looking out for us versus people against us. That's right. A little bit of racing love, right? That's right. <laughs> well, Dave, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about your event Thursday, December 21st. Now, we if we got listeners who want to participate and try to drive that driver count. What do they do on that day? Where do they go? What, I mean, how did they get involved? 
So the best thing to do is to join the Discord. We have a Discord. It's Sean Timmerman Memorial is the name of it. Um, my Facebook page, and it, I mean, it's pretty much all over Facebook. You can find it. There's a link on there for the Discord page. Just come in there. Once you come in there, you're entered to the race. And then from there, then we just need you to join the league um, and then pick the time slot that works best for you because there's going to be probably a minimum of five time slots for the preliminary races. Um, but everything will be in that Discord. All the information is in there. Uh, like I said, there's probably two, somewhere between right now between 260 and 270 people and the families in there as well. His mom and dad and his sister are in there now as well, too. So you can just stop by and say hi to them, if nothing else. And, and they're on it pretty much daily. And, and they just love to see that. That was I spent a lot of time with them at the funeral and, you know, after the funeral. Um, and they the one thing that they kept saying is they don't want Sean's name to be forgotten. Uh, which I think is impossible, even without this at this point, just because of who he was. Um, but, I mean, his family went out of his way to drive from Iowa to Pennsylvania to bring me his his wheel and pedals for me to run this race in his honor. So, um, because I had sold everything. Like I said, I had retired, and, and they brought me all of his stuff. And, you know, I'm I'm overwhelmed by what they've done for just just for me, you know, and they're just good people. And but let's, let's help them out and, and show a little support. Absolutely. I always love when the iRacing community comes together uh, in these kind of, you know, trying times and really shows, you know, what we're made of. So listeners get out there, get on the discord. We're going to put a link in the show notes uh to that discord channel so you guys can get involved remember this is the week right before christmas you're going to be looking for something to race guys let's do it let's all get on this race and have like you said the biggest dirt event ever one last thing i want to say mike is um most leagues have actually canceled their league races for this event so there's almost no reason to not race in this event um Entries are going to shut down about a week beforehand because we have so many people entered. We want this to run as smooth as possible. And with last-minute entries, it's just not going to go well. So right around a week beforehand, um, we're going to shut it down, the amount of people that can be in then at that point. Whoever it is, it is. And you won't be able to get in after that. So it's an event that you're not going to want to miss, that's for sure. Yep, and we'll remind our listeners each week as we approach the event, Thursday, December 21st, uh, you guys get involved. Hey, Dave Allen, uh, appreciate you. God bless for helping out Sean uh, and Sean's family through this trying time and and, uh, really keeping his name alive in the community. Well done. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. topics the first thing we're going to kick off with is the big announcement from toyota they have a new nose design uh, for the camry xse that's going to be in the cup series competition beginning next season what do you guys think of it i think uh, just going by looks it looks pretty cool um it's got nice sleek design nice sleek shape 
Um, you know, always the question is going to be how soon does it need to be scanned or does it need to be scanned? Is it that that radical departure from what we already have in the Toyota? Is it worth iRacing, you know, time to to rescan it? But um, just aesthetically, I think it looks like a nice car. I like the taillight design. There's a lot yeah. less sharp edges to it. It's more rounded. Yeah, I mean, I think this thing looks super sporty, uh, better better than this year's version was. But I'm like, Brian, you know, uh, is iRacing going to get this in, you know, by Daytona time? We all want the newest, latest, greatest. I, I hope they can get it done. Well, considering they have such a close partnership with NASCAR, it can't it won't be that hard. They're not gonna have to fight to get the scans like they might with an F one car. Um they've even got really good arrangements now with with uh a lot of the sports car teams. I, th- I think they've earned their trust that they're not gonna give away their data and also that the uh sp- sanctioning bodies in real life racing understand how valuable the sim world is to them now. And does does a uh, um just a cosmetic change would that change all of the um all the physics on the car you know what i mean is it would it would it just be a cosmetic update and they would just keep the uh, physics the same or does a a rescan completely have to redo the physics because i would imagine that would take a lot longer for this to happen well is this an actually new actual new nose or just a change in the paint yeah i had this I, i noticed that as well i mean I don't know if the difference we see here is mostly just in the way it's painted or or are the lines really different? You know, the heights, the widths. I mean, is there something about this car that's physically different that that would need an updated scan? And I'm not sure. Right. Right. And that's what I, that's what I was referring to, John. Exactly. Because, um, you know, different changes in the body shape are going to have different aerodynamic effects and stuff like that. Well, I'll I'll put a I'll make my too early prediction and say they'll have it out by Daytona easily. Let's move on, Brian. We've got uh, another Woo Sprint Car race put in the books. That's right. Uh, so uh, last Monday was the World Outlaw Race Sprint Cars presented by Thrustmaster, and they were at Williams Groove here in Pennsylvania, um, and uh, it was quite an event. Um, the feature race went. Um, completely caution free which was really nice timothy smith dominated the entire race he won the won the race uh one pole won won his heat so he really dominated the entire event um and wound up winning by just about two seconds he was over two seconds at one point but they closed it down to just under two but still that's a pretty uh pretty pretty um safe lead there for him but the real story uh in this was that um the points leader uh alex bergeron he actually start had a bad qualifying he started sixth in his first heat did not make the feature out of the heat races he had to go to the last chance qualifiers and did not make the feature in the qualifiers so uh, so alex bergeron who won the first two races didn't even make the feature at this race that was uh that was the big news of the day because um you know, you get basically no points for that. So, um, so Timothy Smith won the event. Noah Carpenter finished second. Evan C, uh, the reigning uh, late model champion, finished third. But the points really got shooken up. 
So uh, uh, Alex Bergeron, who was winning after the first winning the first two races of the season, he dropped all the way to uh, seventh place in points from first to seventh just by missing that feature. And and wouldn't you know it, Evan C is now the points leader. He's been uh, pretty consistent in the first three races. Obviously, he hasn't got a win yet, but he's just been consistent, and uh, that that's given him the lead. He would be the first person ever to win the sprint car and the late model. Uh, um, late World Outlaw Series, so that would be interesting to keep an eye on that as the uh, season goes along, but I think Alex Bergeron is going to jump back in this before it's too late. Um, Noah Carpenter is second in points right now, um, and Ryan Avilia is in third. Yeah, I thought what was interesting about this was, you know, you have not only did Alex Bergeron not make it, but the winner was a guy that's not even in the top 10 in points. And so the chances of those two things happening in one race is that's really rare. You know, I think I, I, so I thought that was pretty cool to see that shake up. Yeah, that's a good point. Matter of fact, all three of the top in the points have not been uh, super high in these points before. Um, even Evan C has never really finished very high in the sprint car series. Uh, Timmy, Timothy Smith is a pretty accomplished sprint car driver. He's just had bad start to the season. He was uh, he was a uh, top top five finisher last year. I caught the I actually caught the LCQ where Bergeon raced and missed it. And the, they said a stat, though. They said the inter- interesting stat that the last couple of years, the person at one points has only missed one feature. So he's got to be about perfect the rest of the season. Well, that's why they run the races, right? Uh, nobody gets to do it just on name. They actually have to earn the spot. Our next topic is a pretty interesting uh, uh, course in literature. In fact, if you take a look at it, Seth Lee, he posted a letter in the forums explaining why he thinks sim racing is a good hobby. And if you look it over, it's basically a four-point essay, and I figured we might actually just hit each each point. The first one, he talks about how it's, it's actually a physical sim, and it's not just a video game, and it just requires a different level of cognition uh, from the brain, right? Yeah, and this is one of my points that I've always made about uh, sim racing, why it's different than... Um, Madden football or NBA 2K or any of those sport, any of those um, video games is that you're you're performing the same actions that the driver is performing. You're not throwing a pass when you hit the pass button on the game controller. You know, it's it's a it's a direct one to one comparison from the sim to real life, just as far as what you're doing in the in the, um, physically. Yeah, his second paragraph is is not as unique to sim racing, I think, because I've I've experienced this in other types of gaming as well. But all the online gaming communities is it's great to be able to meet people from all over the world. I think it's another avenue to meet people that uh, share the same interests, like how I met you guys. You know, around where I live, there's not a lot of people that like nascar circle track race and yeah i kind of get made fun of you know tease a little bit that you know why do you like something that turns left and you know this getting this sim and you know just chit-chatting with you guys you know you find a common interest with people but yeah i think you're right dave this is um you 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 get this kind of camaraderie with um, multiple different types of games but you know he does make a point that it does bring people together so that that is a good point the uh, third point he made is that learning to tune the setups and work on uh, working on the track and learning what each action does actually enhances your hippocampus, which is a part of the brain that helps with memory. This is where he, he really dove into the, I guess, almost neuroscience 
Well, he's he's right. I mean, you know, you you do have to learn uh, if you want to get good at this. You do need to learn how the how the car works, uh, and it, get in, look at the setups, figure out what does what. Uh, and I and I think you're you know when you do this, your brain is constantly processing information. Okay, there's no break in between pitches or uh, hike from the center or timeouts. I mean, you know, you've got anywhere from 30 minutes to sometimes three hours. Your brain is constantly processing information, and you do retain this stuff because you got to know every lap. This is what I got to do. Uh, and even during the cautions, even though it's a little bit relief of relief from the intensity, your brain immediately has to switch to strategy. Do I pit here? Do I not? We had that kind of come up last night in the league race, right? Um, I think we made the wrong call, but kind of lucked out with the way that the next caution fell. Right, and, and that goes with some of the nuances of of uh, oval racing that you know a lot of people like um, like just don't get. They don't understand the nuances, and they think it's just turning left, like uh, like uh, Justin was saying earlier. You know, that's you know to make it in these top splits. I'm starting to find out, or being good at league race, and you know that's half the battle is you know um, race car IQ. You know, uh, you know what to do. Obviously, you know I learned that last night, but yeah, that's probably my weak point i think i can drive pretty good it's just when to pit when not to pit that's what kills me every time i feel pretty confident about my strategy calls except that it, it does sometimes come down to a coin flip but I, I i have i believe i've won the coin flip more than i've lost it his last point is actually pretty interesting in that he talks about how sim racing doesn't necessarily keep you from doing your job. Now, anything that I guess if you get in an addictive position where it actually interferes with your life, that could happen. So there's probably somebody that's had that be the case. But probably for a lot of us, we actually need to make a lot more money, like he says, to be able to buy the more expensive equipment. So he's, that's what he says is that he actually works harder so that he can afford higher end rigs. We know that that's that goes with that goes with setting goals in life in general. I mean, you know, Seth's got a a goal to upgrade his equipment, uh, and he's going to do what it takes to get it done. And I think I think most of us do that. Uh, but you know, David, you're right. It's like anything in life. If you do too much of anything in life, it can interfere with responsibilities. So yeah, you got to use good judgment, but. I think most of us still go to work. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've I've been letting you guys know that I've been buying computer equipment to to, to build a new computer, and uh, I've been taking some some extra work here and there to try to pay for some of it. That's for sure. That reminds me, have you bought memory yet? Yes. Why? What did I do wrong? Nothing. I I I bought too much memory. I have some memory unopened memory that I've got to get rid of at some point, and I've just been stalling procrastinating just letting it sit and collect dust so he, i don't know if you guys read on the forums some of the comments to this but you know seth said i wrote this to explain to my friends why i like sim racing <laughs> jeff white six says you actually tell people you do this all right well it was a good it was definitely a good essentially essay i mean it, I, it reminds me of writing my three-point essays all the way back in high school days except it had four points um, it had a introduction, a conclusion, the whole nine works. So not only is that this is a good point that uh, uh, for the kids out there, learning learning your uh, literature skills is, is helpful in life. It's like, when am I going to use this in my real life? Boom, right there. All right. Just 
um, there's a lot of skills that in education that you don't realize have more to do with just getting through life than being able to do a specific skill. So that, that's the teacher in me coming out. But let's uh, move on. We've got iRacing Rivalry Week. We've This is a, looks like a, is this Instagram? I can't tell which. Yeah, it's an Instagram post. We have Stephen Wilson and Garrett Lowe battling their way on the last lap of Watkins Glen in the E-NASCAR College iRacing Series. I actually watched this live. Um, I put it on my TV here in the garage. And this last lap, this was, I about texted you guys there on Messenger. This was one hell of a battle. I mean, they were glued side by side through the first S's on Walkland's Glen. Then the bus stops really where um, Stephen Wilson won it. And they just leaned on each other through there and he came out ahead. It was a heck of a battle. It was one of the best I've seen. Yeah, it was it was tight, and they were making contact, but they weren't weren't wrecking each other to to win this race. And I really appreciated that because you know you can combine the physicality of of, of uh, stock car racing without just wiping people out. It's it's um and this was really well done. Yeah, you should watch this just to see how the pros do it because you guys are right. I mean, they know how much contact you can make without killing yourselves each other uh and it also these guys did a real good job of knowing what line to take to keep the other guy from getting around and they did it, it was a great finish well that's where stephen wilson won it was that last um, hitch on the bus stop he anticipated that the other guy was going to lean on him a little bit so he cocked a wheel and he guessed just right and it still kept straight and it was a good battle that's definitely something you can see at the upper levels that you just don't see in the lower splits. Is people can race that tight and and not mess up. All right. Well, uh, who can tell me who has the highest overall I rating by adding all the four I ratings? I'll uh, get started. Um, so this was actually a post or a YouTube video from DJ EJ, uh, another one of his uh, in-depth things where he gets all this information and puts it out for us. Um, so what he did was. You know, we had a conversation that he started last week about, you know, who was the over, who's the best eye racer ever, you know, and we had he he had different criteria and we talked about different criteria. Well, in this episode, or he kind of like he kind of like just takes all the four disciplines, you know, uh, oval road, dirt road, dirt oval, adds up the, your the the eye rating for the particular people, and find out who has the highest combined out of all of them. You know that could be a different that could be one way of uh, seeing who who the best um, person driver is on the service because you're you're just adding your eye ratings up. So um, they're out of the five that he listed, only two that I knew of. Um, number I think uh, number three or four was uh, Casey Kerwin. And uh, Casey Kerwin was up there and he uh, he did mention that Casey Kerwin didn't look like he'd spent a ton of time in the road oval. Otherwise, he might have been higher on the list. But uh, the highest of all, I mean, adding four, all 40s together was actually um, Garrett Maines. So uh, Garrett Maines took the title in this particular category of who has the highest overall rating. That sounds pretty legit to me. Like, uh, um, and I had mentioned Kristen Chandler, who probably doesn't focus on his eye, eye rating as much. Um, but yeah, Garrett Garrett's a pretty strong driver too. He comes in and and can just about win the NIS series while skipping like six or seven weeks. Um, and I mean, he's a pro. Uh, 
So for sure. And uh, you, you see him run on the road. He's dirt. He's crazy fast. And on dirt, dirt, he's crazy fast. And I don't, I've never messed with rally racing. Really. I've done like one rally race in my life. I'll just give you his stats at the time that DJ did this video. His oval was 93.45, road 69.21, dirt oval 71.18, and dirt road 75.69 for a combined total of 30,953. So <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's real. That's just insane talent. He puts the time in, too. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say, David. I mean, can you imagine how much time you have to put in on the sim to get those those ratings that high on those disciplines i i can't even imagine i mean that's a full-time job i'm putting in a lot of time for 3k ir i can't imagine a 9300 yeah, um, yeah it's a pretty good I, again i'm not sure if that makes him the best overall driver um but may, maybe this is the way to, to figure out that that stat um it's hard to argue with with the numbers he has. I mean, you know, there's other guys who might be a little bit more successful in him than certain in certain um, disciplines, but you know, they they're probably focusing a lot harder on on those disciplines as well. So, um, yeah, this is a, this is a good overall score, a way to track this stuff. How many drivers have actually had a serious championship in more than one series? That might be the next question. Because we've talked about some of the guys who've had a series championship in one or the other and has still been competitive in the others. But do we, we have somebody who's actually won a dirt series and uh, an oval, say, an oval asphalt series? Not at the professional level that I can think of. I was just talking about the dirt racer. Nobody's won the late models and, and the sprint cars. And, you know, I think the. Mitchell DeYoung, maybe he came close because I know he's like top two or three in the Porsche series. And uh, I think he's won a dirt, a dirt road series, a rally car series before. Well, these are great discussion topics because ultimately there's never going to be a right answer. You can argue and argue and argue. All right. But this, this is the same thing you see on that show where the guy has, keeps the score for everybody. And as they're arguing, he just points, points them, clicks them up and down. You know which one I'm talking about? Around the horn. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those topics that you can never, I mean, it all ultimately comes down to opinion, right? But what's not an opinion, but is definitely a fact is the fact that iRacing is going down for deployment for the 2024 season one build, which will be on December 5th at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Um, so that is it. Be careful if you happen to hop on and decide to jump in a race at seven. It's, I think they actually will not even let let those races go off if they're they're going to run over if they know that they're going to run over i think they have it programmed to not even start up those races or 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 create one to be registered for but i do remember accidentally getting into a, a race when i wasn't paying attention to the fact that was there was a patch one summer and just suddenly the server went down i was like oh crap i guess there was a patch that's almost week 13 already yeah, we're in week twelve right now. Wow, jeez, I've been off the sim so long, I forgot. I've losing track of that. Yeah, I, I ran a couple of Daytonas last week just to get back into the into the sports car world, and yeah, I, it was week eleven, and there's only one more week left. I was like, oh boy. We you know. I was looking around in the forums, and it looks like rain is not coming. 
in this in this update. Uh, so bad news for those that have been wanting rain, but I don't think we're not going to get that. Do we not have that on the script? I know Mike posted it. Uh, I don't remember seeing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's not on the script, we can go ahead and talk about it because Mike posted in Messenger a, a message from Greg West, I believe, saying that they're confident that what's what's it called Tempest. Yes. Um, they're confident that it's imminent, but don't think it will come out on the season one build. And that was straight from Greg West. Hashtag soon. That's fine, though. You definitely want to make sure you get it right. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, if if it's not ready, it's not ready. Don't, you know, iRacing puts out a great quality sim. It's a great product. And if they say it's not ready, I trust them. I believe them. And uh, I'm all in if they want to. They, they got to get it right before they release it and we start racing on that. Yeah, I agree. At the same point, though, they're probably disappointed that it won't be ready for Daytona because I don't think they can release it before 24, right? Yeah, they they don't have to wait till season two to release it. Right. They could do it mid-season, but that's unusual. And um, But not, not unprecedented. Yeah, the but next, it might not next. give a lot of people to time to practice in that, yeah. too. I think that would be the biggest concern. It, it may just depend how close it gets because that's not till January. The uh, the next gen car came out early. I think the day night transition came out mid season. I think I think it came out a little bit after the December the season one build. I could be mistaken, but that I seem to remember that being a little offset as well. Um, does, is it just me, or does it seem like we usually see a lot more um, leaks for the builds at this point before the? Uh Week, week 13 starts we've got a few but nothing major really this is actually usually probably leak week and um maybe there's more out that that uh we just hadn't been getting access to because mike's in the middle of moving and he really is the uh the workhorse of the script creation especially digging out all the topics but I'm pretty sure it was Greg that actually found this one and, and posted it to us, but we do have it on the script. Uh, and this one I did have time to watch, so I got to look at this one. DJ EJ explores how iRacing has kept two different communities from racing on the service or, or kept them racing on the service at the same time and how to keep them in the future. Um, and it's interesting. He's basically talking about your serious simmer who basically feels like if you wreck his car, it's as if you wrecked his real car. Right. And we, we definitely feel that way. I mean, we, I, I had a forum exchange with some dude and he said, I take this too seriously. And I I seriously messaged him back and said, you don't take it serious enough. And that was the end of the conversation. Um, because we do treat it, treat it as if we're, you know, in the real cars, we, we really want it to be treated with that kind of respect. And there's a lot of people who come in and don't approach it that way, especially with, with the COVID boom. Yeah, and um, I thought the beginning of the video was really good, especially when he goes over the early um, release of, of iRacing and uh, how much more of an investment it was than it is even now. Um, you know, even without uh, accounting for inflation and stuff, you were paying more for tracks and cars then than you are now, and the subscription rate was higher. So people who were early in the in the sim probably did have that attitude that you know this is this is a lot more serious than the way it has developed into you know with the the um 
the larger, a lot bigger numbers coming in and different people with different um, perspectives of racing, you know? So I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah, I don't really recall, but I don't think that the prices have really gone up where, whereas the price of everything else has in the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, he said, I mean, he said based on, again, inflation included that, um, the, uh, the track back then would be like 35 bucks right now. Now he talks about the casual racer. Now, do you think a lot or some of the casual racers in iRacing will go to the console version when iRacing releases that? Probably not, because I, I don't think it's necessarily the casual racer as much as the just the kid who comes in with more of a gamer attitude. Yeah, I, you know, of course, I'm the old guy around here. And so, you know, maybe I sound like a boomer, but I think a lot of the problem is the age gap. All right. So it seems to me that the younger drivers are less likely to take this serious race clean than, you know, the middle age or older guys, uh, you know, we're not going in there to wreck people. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the age, the maturity or immaturity of some of the drivers. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But it's, it's also has to do with how they were brought up. You know, the, when you're brought up in this video game um, culture, the way it is now, not like when we were playing Atari 2600, but when uh, when these guys coming up in it now, everything's online. You know, it's it can be really crazy with the shooter games and stuff like that. And that might be some of the attitude that they're just inbred with as they're um, forming their uh, video game etiquette type of thing. And, and it's comes over to iRacing and then you have guys like us who have been around forever and uh, you take it seriously or intermingling with with that same culture and it kind of there is kind of divide there and i think there is a divide too with the true race fans that actually know you know watch it on the weekends and actually know the etiquette of racing and see it and are educated about it to the guys that are people that are actual I racing fans only, you know, they're they're fans of the sim and not actually the race craft or the race itself. A counterpoint to that though is have you watched the truck series the last couple of years? Touche. Good <laughs> point, touche. That's true, but <laughs> you know, I agree with Justin on that because if you if you're somebody who watches races week after week after week, you you start to understand what you can do and what you shouldn't do. And that, I think we all would all agree, that translates over in how you behave, how you drive in iRacing. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point. If, you, if you're a real race fan, you're probably going to drive safer. And he does mention the the protest system, and I've talked about this a little bit too. That's something that's that we're running into kind of more now than than in the past. In the past, they were basically just going to be about as hands off as they could, except for in obviously intentional stuff, right? But a lot of times, especially that, just leaves you feeling helpless because in the real world, not only are you having to worry about the safety of your car and the safety of your body when you when you get into accidents, but you also have to worry about Ryan Newman coming and deciding to give you a, a four knuckle hello, right? And a lot a lot yep. of times the protest system just doesn't have any way to push consequences to just obscene driving. That's not 
I, I don't have a better word for it, but just obscene, obscene dive bombing and obscene uh, dive bombing and oh, uh, obscene dive bombing, right? Or driving across the track. And they might already do this too, but they need a the protest system. They need a grade on a scale with your I rating. You know, if you got a higher I rating, you need to be a little bit more strict on them because they know better. Yeah. Them versus you know a five hundred. 500 IR guy. But it was a good video. Man, DJ has just been prolific, hasn't he? He's been spot yeah. on this. He has some great ideas and good quality videos. I'm I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And he comes at stuff from a different take than you see from a lot of other guys who have similar uh, videos. All right. Next up, we have the I-rating division threshold. And... Um, it's this is broken down by Vern Klukas, um, and these are very specific numbers. I don't think that the floor value is actually fixed. All right, we have some specific numbers here that may have been the floor last year, but I think they literally actually just divide you up evenly among all the divisions, and this is basically the result from that. Yeah, I don't think this is a static number. I think it's dynamic based on the start of each season and, and the drivers in there. But it's still interesting to see how this breaks down. There's such a little difference from the middle, you know, all the way from seven all the way up to three before you get to the top two. Yeah. So such a small, small variance in those divisions. So I, I hope I asked this in a, in a sensible way. But so you've got these divisions now. During the season, your I rating could go up or down that would put you in a different division. But don't the divisions for the whole season stay the same for you? Yes. And um, generally, it's not that big of a deal in 12 week seasons. But if you start NIS in Division One, that's where you stay, or, or Division Two, or whatever, that's where you stay. Right. Regardless of how your I rating changes throughout the season, once you, this is just your starting point, and that's where you stay. So the splits then are they going to be based on I rating or division? Well, they're always based on I rating, but it's just based on how many people are signed up, and it splits it up that way. And the uh, the higher split you are in, the more points you get if you got a lower I rating. Correct. Championship points. Every field has a strength of field, and that determines what what first place pays, and on down. Um, we've talked about it in the past. I racing has said in the past that if they can tell you're intentionally sandbagging your I rating, they'll stick you in division ten. And you'll get hardly any points once you get get a win. Or maybe maybe that's wrong. Maybe they'll. I said that backwards. They'll actually stick you in division one. Even if you're really probably only a, a division two or three driver. Now, now I'm where I'm sitting right now. It, this the estimate here is thirty five hundred, and I've fallen down to thirty three hundred. Um, I have been as high as forty two hundred this season, and then just had some horrific weeks, like and lost a thousand I rating, legitimately racing and just getting wrecked out of every race. Uh, so you can see that I completed most of those races and didn't just sign up and, and exit after two races. So it's interesting. It's kind of a dilemma. Do I want to be the division one driver, go run some a opens and climb back up before NIS starts or sit here and, and take a shot at maybe a division two title. 
So I, you know, I've never understood these guys that want to tank their I rating. I mean, for those guys, it's unclear to me, what is their goal? Why do you want to tank it? Is it so you can win a title in a lower division? Well, Kyle Busch and Carl Edwards enjoyed racing for titles in Nationwide when they were cup drivers. So true. All right, we got another moon car video, guys. Yeah, I, I love these moon car videos. Um, just the announcements. The announcer is just so funny to listen to. Again, he spares no uh, no uh, offending language at all. He, he just really lets it fly. And he's just, it's so exciting to listen to. Uh, this is a race at, uh, I think it's the, the Talladega. And uh, they're running down the backstretch. They make some contact. The uh, car flips upside down upside down which is actually you know front front flip so his front came up off the air and flipped up then he got hit by another car and got thrown into the fence and uh the announcer just goes crazy uh uses profanity in his uh in his uh call which is just hilarious moon car is such fun to watch there was even a uh boxing bell ring at the end when it was sitting on the fence I've been watching this moonhead guy on Twitch here, and I've been looking. I've been kind of snooping around. I want to try to find a recruitment race, try to get in one of these. I've been waiting for Bobby to get get me an 87 paint. I'm starting to fall in love with these cars, and I think that would be fun. Well, I think, you know, when NASCAR, just they just signed a new uh, TV deal this week for a couple of dollars. Wouldn't it be great if on one of those uh, streaming services or like Prime or something that they're going to do races on if they let Mooncar do one of them? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It like kind of like they would do with Monday Night Football with uh, Eli Manning and uh, Peyton Manning watching the game simulcast. That would be awesome. I'd love to see that. All right, let's move back into the sim versus real world genre. We have a video posted by Daniel Morad, and it's he took a sim racing team, and they got to drive a real GT4 Mercedes. Yeah, I uh, actually watched this, and it was it was a story we had a couple weeks ago where uh, Daniel Morad was taking his uh, sim drivers, taking them to a track. I could not find out which track this was. It doesn't look like it was uh, a real big one, so it might have been just a local type of road track. And yeah, he put them all in a um, Mercedes GT4 and uh, see how they did around the track. And what was really interesting was, you know, these were not all like 9,000 I rating drivers. There was guys in there like 1,500 I rating, 2,000 I ratings. So it wasn't like an elite level of um, I racer that was driving these cars. It was it was guys who were like, like me <laughs> that got a chance to do this. Um, and uh, it was really interesting to see how they their comments uh, as as how it related to uh, their sims and stuff like that. Uh, really, really good feedback from the drivers. What they thought was different. A lot of them. A lot of were uh, had to do with the brakes. You know how how much the brakes felt differently in their sims than it does in real life. Um, that was a that was a lot of input and. Uh, and at the end, which was really cool, was that Daniel Morad is like, well, these guys can go back home now and kind of tune their rigs, tune their setups to get more like the real car now that they know what it feels like, which, which I thought was really cool. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think these guys went bananas trying to throw down crazy laps. I think they were really protective of the equipment. Um, Daniel said that his lap, his uh, baseline lap was about five seconds to the fastest sim driver, but they really didn't have a ton of time time on these on the track so he thought that was actually pretty respectable all things considered 
I've done the oval experience. The next thing I want to do is is actually get to run either a Formula car or a sports car at at a track that I'm familiar with somewhere in one of those experience options. That's kind of my next goal. Look into the Skip Barber Racing School. That's a good one to do. Um, yeah, that might be fun. I know they they have something similar to the Rusty Wallace experience that has been in St. Louis, but I I had even signed up for it a couple of years ago. And I was the only one in the in the country to sign up, so they they canceled the event. <laughs> so when you did the Oval Experience, what what was your assessment, David? Uh, that compared to to sim racing, what'd you think? It was hard to get the thing in gear. I could not handle the clutch because I that clutch was so much heavier. I kept stalling it. It didn't help that they had me in the pits right behind another car, and I was almost I was kind of worried about rearing that car and was trying to. I was just getting off the clutch too hard and stalling it. So they get they let me get a push start. It was easy to shift it once I had it rolling, um, and I've driven you know a real life stick. So it was just it was so different. Once I got rolling. Literally within two laps, I felt like I was wearing my VR headset. I I I, did, I wasn't. I don't even think I was feeling the car. I think I just went into this is what I'm used to, and and I started to get familiar with it. Um, they had a cone, and this is when I really learned how to let off the brakes, bef- let off the gas before you brake, and make it two motions when you're entering a corner because they had two sets of cones. They had the they had the off the gas and the braking zone, and then they had the on the gas spot. And I know after on about lap five, lap six, I was thinking that's a really late on the gas spot. I was thinking I could get on the gas way earlier than that because it was on the in the exit of the corner, not in the middle of the corner. Um, I had only did eight laps. I wish I had done more at that point because that was when I really started already to feel comfortable enough to start testing the limits. Well, next fun. time I'm I'm an hour from Gateway. Next time they have one, let's go. Oh yeah. Now, in a real car, is the wheel heavier than your base? No. Really? No, I re- I've got a DD one, and it turned up really high. So, no, it was not yeah. at all heavier at all. I got my semi-cube. I, I got it at 100% on asphalt and 90 on dirt. And I've always wondered if actually a real car is heavier than my semi-cube. Hold no, it's, they've got power steering, so... Yeah, well, uh, well, some of the guys that were in this uh, um, GT4 car, that's one of the things they said as far as iRacing goes. They they could figure out the track pretty easily, and, and uh, th- there was no or really small learning curve as far as that goes. iRacing definitely prepared them pretty well to be racing on this track. Yeah, you recognize all the marks, and it, it just um, – if you've – the muscle memory and just the, the whole – Hippocampus effect kicks in, and you just you feel like you're doing it for real, uh, in 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 the sim. Um, I did not have enough laps to really start to develop a feel by the seat of the pants, and they also have the cars detuned enough that you're not you're not pushing the tire slip very far. So, you know, could you could you get that kind of feel? No, and. Uh, they generally, you actually have to buy insurance for the car, and even with the insurance, it's a thousand dollar deductible if you put it in the wall. So, <laughs> you you don't want to overdo it. That sounds like it just suck the fun right out of it. I'd be too darn nervous. A thousand dollars. 
I would bet money for one. They probably don't have to deal with that many regs, but I bet money they put it. That's why they do it, just to kind of discourage people from overdoing it. Much more than, much less than being worried about somebody actually wrecking it and having to pay for it. But it's it's definitely a f- fun. That that's what I think the next trip I want to take. I I had a blast going down to the twenty four, but I want to get back in a car myself. Speaking of getting in the real car, uh, we have a documentary about Raja Karuth that premiered in New York for the first time, and it's called Outside the Line. It's a seventeen minute documentary film about him. And I perused the article trying to find if you can see it anywhere but on the big screen yet and i'm not quite sure what do you guys know i i haven't seen anything about this being something you can watch from home at this point yeah it might be pretty early in the development maybe they saw like a a early version of it because it does say something that it was at a a film festival so maybe it was just the early version uh, pre-release type of thing well it is it actually won some awards so it, it was awarded the 2022 National Capital Chesapeake Bay Chapters 65th Emmy Award for a sports story, uh, long form content. So I think that's the official, you know, submitted f- film. I want to see it, but I don't know where to get it. So if a listener knows, let us know. Or if Raja, if you're listening, send us a link so we can screen it. We'll, we might even do a live event for for the community. Yeah, I want to see it too. I these stories are my favorite stories hearing about iRacing, you know, coming from the sim and going to the real track. Yeah, I've actually got to I did a race with him on iRacing once. Um very talkative guy. And you know, he's only twenty one, so he's got a lot of years left and, and I think he can be a great ambassador for iRacing. And this is the kind of guy you want to see uh, succeed in the real world. Great guy. And he's just a racer. That's this just that's he's just plain and simple a pure racer. All right, um, I think this idea that we're talking about next actually came out of the uh, podcast that the iRacing guys do. The, is that they call it the downshift? I believe they used to do a thing where they would throw a wheel, throw a, a dart at a wheel, and run whatever car in the, in at the Nuremberg ring that they did, and kind of just do it with one with no practice. But iRacing has their new series concept that's coming out. In season one of 2024, it's called the Irishing Weekly Challenge. And if you're into all forms of road racing, this is the series. It's 12 week of a different car and different track combination with no repeats on either for a season long championship. So preview the. This is a good way to preview the best in everything from sports cars to open wheel racers, on a global tour of some iRacing's most popular circuits. And I would probably suck at this because I I don't like jumping from car to car. A lot of these cars are free cars, free service cars. So, um, at least you don't. If you want to do this, you won't have to probably buy a whole lot of stuff. You might already have most of it from free. So, like uh, the Formula V is free. I know the Street Stock, the uh, MX Five Cup. Um, I think the GR eighty six Toyota is free too. All right, John. What can you tell us about the this next event? which is a full sin spec Miata 50. Yeah, I, th- I thought this was kind of cool looking. You've got the, yeah, the spec Miata 50s. It's called uh, the full sim, or excuse me, full send Sims eSports. It's at the Daytona International Speedway Oval. And they have 30-minute practice, random grids, 
uh, December the 5th. I, you know, this is neat because I've never even considered or thought about running these spec cars on the uh, Daytona Oval, but I think that could be kind of fun. I've been in a few of them. It's uh, definitely uh, a crazy pack racing. Um, and sometimes more entertaining than the cup car, especially the current cup car package. What's really interesting is you can run them even at other at mile and a half and it races like a plate track. Yeah. I can't imagine there's any way to break away from anybody on this. I mean, it's, it's going to be start to finish bumper to bumper racing. Next up on the uh, iRacing schedule is the Cravantic Endurance Series. So uh, that's coming up this week, uh, December 2nd on Saturday. Uh, it is uh, one of uh, iRacing's longest standing team racing challenges. Um, it's a, VI, a VIR. Um, it's a real 24-hour series in iRacing's 24 eSports Endurance League. So uh, there's three different classes, the Porsche 911, the GT4 cars, and touring cars. So uh, yeah, if you're interested, check that out, the Creventic Endurance Series. And we did kind of just sneak into the event section, didn't we? So the next one is the E-Racing Association Omega Cup. This one is the registration opens for the, the Winter Bowl. Um, it's ERA's final event of the 2023 in its premier Omega Cup series. It's opening now. Racers can join the ERA as a member and RSVP to compete in the tournament style racing from the Phoenix Raceway at NASCAR's Cup Series Next Gen Car. It's got $5,000 in prizes on the line for members. In the, in the features in December 13th with a live broadcast airing across all official iRacing pages. So now I'm I, I've never heard of the E Racing Association. Is this this a new thing? They've been around a while, and you know what do they do? Well, they they get lots of prize money. That's about what I know. <laughs> well, hey, that that makes it worth it. Yeah, that'll that'll get some Ted's turned right there, right? Yeah, the the two biggest draws to leagues. First, everybody loves to be broadcasted, right? That's that's the biggest draw for the league. Um, even if there's only ten people watching, you're like, "Hey, mom, I'm on TV." Next, um, prize money is definitely a draw, but they either have really good sponsorship or it's a pay league. Uh, but I I don't think any of us are particularly familiar with this organization. Well, yeah, I mean, it is a pay league. It looks like you can get a biannual Clutch Club membership for. Twenty-seven ninety-nine, or an annual membership thirty-nine ninety-nine, and I notice they have uh, not only iRacing events but also Mario Kart, and those are good prizes. I, the money I spend when I do run the major series is worth it because they put in a ton of work. They run hundreds of of practice servers a year. Those are also broadcasted, and they do a pretty good job of stewarding the races. Um, and coming up with a lot of creative ideas. So if you go the pay league route, um, you ultimately have to decide if you end up liking the league. But uh, it, it's that's not a terrible price, especially if you've got a shot at the prize money. It's time for a podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We would appreciate it. Maybe even write a letter and post it somewhere. That would be pretty cool, too. 
Check us out on our Discord. We have a link for it. We have our website. I wouldn't call it new anymore, but it's still up. You can use it to follow along in the script. We are on regular rotation with the Performance Motorsports Network. Also, check out our merch. Uh, Bobby Jonas helped us design most of the logos. I kind of helped pick out some of the specific stock designs to stick the logos on. Uh, He came up with quite a few of the others. There's a lot of good merch. We're not streaming live today, but me and John have our shirts on again. We're representing. Order that merch. You can visit iRacersLounge.shop. Team Connie Sim Performance is excited to officially kick off iRacing Season 1 on December 11th. In addition to the Season Performance Passes, TCSP will offer single track setups starting on Saturday, December 9th. Grab your setup pack, check out their Discord, and see what the TSPP is all about. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's kick off the hardware software. We kick it off with the Moza R12 review. Who gave this one a watch? Well, I watched this one uh, because I I have the Moza R12. Um, and this was uh, reviewed by OC Racing. on. They've got a YouTube video up about it. Uh, you know, overall, uh, they gave it a, a pretty good thumbs up for a mid-range uh, base, you know. I, a lot of you know i was basing a lot of it on my own experience with it it's the only direct drive i've had but i thought what this review said was consistent with my own my own opinions about it uh you know for the price for what you get it seems like a pretty good base yeah um and this is right in the sweet spot of uh of um, strength the R12 is as far as uh, the newt meter draw, so it's not like one of those. It's like you're wanting you're wanting more, or it's not overkill where you turn it back to the point where you're not using all the strength that's available. So uh, as far as the strength goes, this seems like to be one of the ones that fall right in that uh, sweet spot. Yeah, I think you know when you when you're looking at a base, you know budget always matters. I mean. There are some people have unlimited budgets. Some people, you know, you've only got so much money to spend. I think I paid about 550 US dollars for mine. I don't regret my decision. I know there are better bases out there, uh, but you're going to have to spend money to get it. But I, but I thought this review gave a, a really good uh, detailed overview of this thing and how it performs and uh definitely not a lot of negatives about it all right next up on the list is a new offering from fanatech the fanatech f1 formula wheel so uh this was reviewed by oc racing and this is um fanatech's it's a limited edition wheel um but to be honest with you it's the same as their existing club sport uh, formula steering wheel. It just has some new colors and new, uh, I think the grips are uh, like an Alcantara as opposed to like the rubbery type of grip. So, um, you know, uh, if, if you're in the Fanatec world and um, you want to get this limited edition uh, wheel, it's it's really nice looking. I like the green colors. It's like kind of like a, uh, like a sea green uh, with uh, some neat colors on the actual uh, panels itself. Uh, but the functionality, it's pretty much the same as um, as the ones that they are, the club sport that they already have. Uh, but but if, if you're really interested, yeah. 
Does the Club Sport already come with the APM, the Advanced Paddle or Pedal mod, Paddle module? Because this one does. It has it has the three mo- paddles on the back instead of just the one or two. I'm gonna check that out. Other than that, all the buttons on the front are the same as the one I've got. But I had to buy the adva- Advanced Pedal module or Paddle module module separately. Okay, it does. Uh, it does not have the Advanced Pedal Paddle there you go. So, module. It, so it, it's a little bit upgraded too. Yeah, it is. It is the advanced model, is in fact, because you got uh, three paddles on the back, which is really handy because you can use one for shifting, one for dual clutch, and then the top one. Um, I used to use it for boosting in the old LMP P1s, and now I actually just use it for changing my battery strategy while I'm in the LMP1. Right, but this um I, I forgot the price when I watched this video, but I think it was around the four four to five hundred dollar range. So it's it's not bad. If if you're in the Fanatec ecosystem, you know, their formula wheels are fairly well priced and solid, you know. You you can go absolutely bananas with some of the formula wheels out there as far as how much you pay for them, but this has always been a real solid one for me too, Dave. I've I've really enjoyed this wheel that I have, and and I didn't pay tons of money for it either. It definitely gets the job done. It has a very very ergonomic uh, button layout. the The three buttons down at the very bottom are not particularly useful when you're driving, but uh, so I kind of tend to use those if I need a damage report or something that you rarely push. But the 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 knobs and the positions of the thumb throttles, they all work really well. The, the one flaw that it did have is the two rotary thumb rotary thumb wheels are too easy to hit. So I, I just use those for volume controls now because it doesn't matter if I accidentally notch that one or the other way. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, I think this one has the new upgraded uh, quick release as well. It looks like it on the back. Yeah. So that would be a consideration if you're if you're getting it, you'd, you'd have to get the new you'd have to upgrade all your others as well if you right. kept your old rims. All right, the next one's more up kind of micro Justin's realm. We've got the uh, Cube Controls GT Pro V2. Yeah, Dan Suzuki. All right, all we heard was Dan Suzuki. Then you lost your transmit. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Uh, Dan Suzuki reviews the new Cube Control GT Pro version 2 D shape and GT0 shaped wheel. And even though I'm a semi cube guy, I don't really get into road racing. Is this a, a good wheel? Does this look appetizing to anybody? I really like the GT Zero wheel, which is a the one that has a flat bottom, like the D-shaped wheel, but it's open on the top end, kind of like a butterfly. Um, I think that's a really good looking wheel. Um, I know Dan Suzuki was really impressed with these. Um, he gave them high marks. Um, so, uh, and he's 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 run a lot of different wheels. So, I I take his uh, recommendations pretty highly. I'm a I'm weirdly biased in that I'm so used to the formula wheel now that I don't like the look of the GT style wheels, and that's it's just a weird aesthetic thing for me. So what? Yeah, of course I don't do roads, but this GT shaped wheel. I mean, for the iRacers out there, what what kind of car would you normally use a wheel like this on? GT cars, sports cars. So you know your BMW, Porsche. Uh, Mercedes, uh, GT3, GT2, uh, GT4, those type cars probably. Is that the most common class on road GT? 
Oh, definitely. Uh, especially, and it tends to be the most popular as well. Uh, because you'll see for the most part a lot of your really high-end racers will run the one of the gt cars instead of getting in the in the hybrid cars because it just it has less downforce and they probably feel like they have to be more of a racer in it um every time i've been in a race with tony Kanaan, he was in he was in the gt car instead of the lmp and the gt car is slower than the lmp yes okay so since you've run, I know you've run these, David. Um, so a GT wheel like this, I mean, could you use a formula wheel just as easily with a GT car and vice versa? Or is there something unique about these particular wheels for those certain cars? If there's an advantage in this design for a GT car versus the formula, formula type wheel, I'm not aware of it. Where the where the where both of these give you an advantage over the oval rim is you have quicker response time. All right, when I'm in an oval wheel, when I'm in an oval race, you're wanting to be subtle with the movements, make small corrections, especially in the corner. Otherwise, you're you're going to oversteer, particularly because it's such a it requires so much nuance. So you want that wide round rim so that you can very subtly control exactly how far you're pushing the wheel slip. Whereas in a, a, a road race, you can be going through a combination where you're flipping the car back and forth. Just like just going through a bus stop, you're left, right, left, just like that. Right. And so you need, you, you need less nuance and faster response. And, and so that's what this type of wheel gives you is, is faster control, but at a sacrifice for nuance. Now, I don't know how this is any different as far as the, the, the response time, I don't know how different a GT wheel is from a from a formula wheel. I think it's almost more just a style thing. So it's kind of maybe just uh, an immersion realism issue more than anything between those two wheels. Uh, I mean, you could do one, you could use one wheel in both and probably get the same result. Yeah, the GT wheels tend to be a little bit lighter on the buttons than the formula wheels. Because you're you're a lower end, the lower class you go in a sports car, the less you have to mess with buttons. Uh, in your GT3, you can actually change the throttle shape and and stuff with your your uh, anti lock braking. But when you get into a formula wheel, you you can you can change your suspension on the road. You can change your uh, racing your your gas formula basically how hot you're running the engine. All all kinds of things that you can change. All right, next up is a review of the Asatec or Asatec Forte wheelbase. And it's reviewed by Random Call Sign. And he's comparing it to the SimiCube. Yeah, part of the reason he's compared it to the SimiCube is because uh, I believe they shared some um, some base information. Like uh, Asatec um, has a, has a, had some kind of cooperation with SimiCube. Um, but uh, they've made their own um, changes to it since then, um, and uh, yeah, this this has always been really high, highly rated a wheelbase. You know, uh, very competitive to the SimiCube. Um, some people even even rated it higher um, than the SimiCube as well. But um, and uh, Random Call Sign did this video uh, reviewing it, and he's pretty much right about there as well. He's very favorable to the SimiCube. I think that would be the pro, Simacru Pro, as far as the the strength on that. 
So you're saying he prefers the semi cube over the Ace attack? I think they're almost comparable. He, he had he had a lot of good things to say about the Ace attack. Though he did, I don't remember him saying that he preferred one or the other, but uh, they were both really good. Top, top, you know, semi cube has been considered, you know, pretty much top of the line as far as wheelbases go, as far as fidelity and strength and stuff. And uh, he he rates us right up there with them. Yeah, he he compared this to the the Fanatec DD one as well. He talked a lot about that. He thought it was better than the DD one, but on the other hand, said, "Look, you know, if you got a DD one, don't spend the money just to go to this, even though it is better." Uh, but he liked the wheel. He thought it, he thought this thing was really really good, uh, but just didn't you know? Don't, don't sell what you got if you're happy with it just to get this. Yeah, and Ace Tech's really stepped up their um, their whole ecosystem, and we have a story coming up a little bit later uh, with uh, Will Ford about that. Um, and that was one of the things that Fanatec always had in its favor was their uh, their ecosystem was really large, and and, uh, and but uh, Ace Tech's really starting to step their game up with that now as well. All right, continuing the streak of reviews, we have one from Dave Cam as he checks out the VPG VP GT. And he's calling it their best wheel yet. Uh, it's pretty neat looking. It's kind of got a carbon fiber look. It's got a, a very good button layout for the for a GT style wheel. And in his video, um, even though I didn't get to watch it, it I can I, I peruse through it real quick the thumbnails, and it's pretty interesting seeing him actually take it apart and look at the insides as well. Yeah, Dave. Uh, actually, I mean, I watched this as well, and um, at the very end, he's like, "I just have no bad things to say about this wheel," which is uh, the only thing that he could say that was bad about it. You know, it's, it's on the high end price wise, but this is a this is a company that doesn't mass produce wheels. You know, they they pretty much hand build each and every one, so uh, you get a little bit more of that. Um, Custom type of uh, pricing that you might see. Um, I think this one is running around fourteen or tw yeah fourteen ninety nine for this wheel for a GT wheel with no else no display screen on or nothing like that is is a little high. But I mean it's but it works really well. He, he was really happy with it. Had no no complaints about anything on it. It does have the dual clutch on the back. That's literally the first thing I always look for. All of these prices on all these these just just gluttony of rims that we've had come out lately, they really do kind of blow my mind because none of these can do anything better than that club sport I have, and it was only five hundred with the APM. So the the fifteen hundred for for the same thing, it, that that breaks my brain a little. Yeah, there have been so many of these wheels. You're right, David, come out in the last year, year and a half. And at some point, you got to ask yourself, am I going to pay three times for this wheel what another wheel will do just as well? And, man, I, I just don't I just don't see shelling out that kind of money for some of these things, even though it's good. This, he had a great review of this, but are you really getting three times the value here? Right. I think I think you get to a certain point where if you just have the money to get unlimited, you know, not unlimited budget, but, you know, you have your your choice of anything out there. Nothing is really out of out of your budget. Then then this kind of wheel, you know, it might be worth it. But 
you know, if you're just if if you're just trying to get the an economical, a really well working system, a really good wheel, you don't necessarily have to go that high. Well, while we're talking about uh, different price ranges, Overtake GG, he's giving the uh, options for the best direct drive bundles for beginning sim racers. Justin, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, David, I haven't seen this video yet, but it, I'm trying to skim through it. Either other, either the others get this, this one in? Yeah, I, I went through a little bit of it. Uh, you know, PXN is, the, the, I want to say they're a brand new company, but not not been around forever and uh, they're they're starting to drop some new products and he he did a review of i, I think this was a six newton meter uh tried it in different sims and uh i think pxn is developing up to a 15 or 16 newton meter that's going to come out um you know i i don't know that what what he reviewed is something he would say go out and buy today although Probably a pretty good option for some for console gamers, uh, the one he reviewed. It doesn't look like this is their main avenue of products. They do a lot of gaming, arcade styles. Uh, I think back to my old gear-driven wheel, and I just think how kind of lucky some reasons are now that there are beginning, there are beginner versions of direct drive wheels. Exactly. And, and not only that, Dave, but think of the uh, the price ranges that are available out there. You know, this guy's at five hundred and fifty dollars for a direct wheel bundle, where you know you could you could spend fifty five thousand dollars on something if you really wanted to. Yeah, well, I'm just talking about back in the when it was literally almost like buying the console option. I started with the Logitech. I think the one before the G twenty seven. Yeah, my after watching this video, my assessment of it was, uh, you might want to, you might want to overlook this one and stick with, you know, in that price range with a Moza or a Fanatec or something like that might might be a better option. All right, I can cover this next one because I've done this before. Uh, Broken A Motorsports shows you how to use and set up a comparison lap time file to train, and essentially what this is is it takes of a file of of your lap through telemetry actually it's saved as a telemetry file not a not a replay file and it takes that lap and puts puts it up as a ghost car that you can see in ghost, in practice sessions what's neat about this you've probably seen this already if you have the ghost car turned on it can it'll be up there running what you did for your fastest lap or for your optimal lap. You can see that ghost car. So if you're running a slower lap than before, you'll see him up ahead of you just a little bit. And that's actually where you were on that fastest lap. Right. Yeah. Another thing is, yeah, I was going to say another thing that's cool about this is you can actually share these files with other drivers. So if you have, if your buddy's really good at a track, you can input his file into a test session and, and follow his line around as well. And that's what I would do. I have, I have the VRS subscription and I would go download. They, they make those lap files available and you can actually download them and just chase the pro running the road course because I would use VRS a lot to learn the road courses. Um, and you can just follow them and see where, see where they're making the turns with, with the Lua file, file. And this shows you how to do that. Well, this is a good thing to do. I know in the winter series, uh, 
race last night. I was one of the slower cars, and so I got behind some of the faster ones for a while. And I was watching their line and following them. And by the end of the race, I was running times as fast as the leaders were. And so I think this is the equivalent of that. You know, you can really see where you need to run to get faster. So it's it's a probably a good thing to do uh, to see where you need to be on the track. And it can be even more helpful than ghosting where you're just racing where you can kind of drive through the cars in a, that are running in a real race um, because their cars always close to where you are if you're running in a, a reasonable time. Next up, Fanatec has revealed an entire line of Sparco series wheel rims. Yeah, Dave, we talked about this uh, last week a little bit, um, but this is the actual Fanatec official um, teaser uh, video of it. So it's got a, you know, um, the Sparco and Fanatec combination where they've uh, partnered together. They have a rally wheel, a GT wheel, a formula wheel, and a cart wheel. And uh, they can all use that uh, new hub that they have as well. It has really good background music. (laughs) Yes, it does. That's, That's pretty heavy. It's interesting options. Uh, I like, I am su- still super happy with my round Porsche rim that I bought because it has a lot of buttons that I actually use within the race since I'm in VR. So uh, I personally would be feel limited by the, the, the less amount of buttons that it has on this setup, but they're pretty neat. And I wonder if, if the, the hubs are interchangeable or each one comes with their own little buttons that are installed and stay attached. I would kind of hope if you you know if you've got a Fanatec hub that it would work on on all these so you don't have to invest in a hub for each different kind of wheel. Uh, I didn't check that part of it out, but that's that's a good thought. Well, we mentioned it. We've already talked about them once, but I guess uh, we're going to talk about them again. Will Ford at Boosted Media removes the new Asetech wheel and wheel hub modular system. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we talked about it a little bit when we talked about the wheelbase, but um, Will Ford's got these uh, Asetech um, center hubs and uh, the different wheels that you can attach to, and it's it's kind of a different modular way of looking at these uh, steering wheels, where you know you're not buying the whole wheel, everything put together. You you can remove this hub from the center that has all the dials and the buttons on it, and move it from one type of wheel to the next to the next if you want. And you know, if you if you like buying different wheels and having different uh, options, it really it really will cut down the costs in the long run because you're not paying for all that electronic um, button stuff that you would get on every single wheel. You're just buying it once and just swapping it out to the wheel. So, so that's uh, right. In, yeah. That's right in line with the question I just asked about the Sparco wheels, right? Is can you move the the button clusters back and forth, which which is cool. If it's quick, did did you see on the video how quick it is? I think I remember hearing that it's not it's pretty quick. It was faster than the the Fanatex when uh, you're switching hubs around. So it's it's got Fanatec beat as far as how fast you can swap these around. But is it quicker than just having two separate wheels? Probably not. <laughs> but that that is still clever, definitely. Uh, that that was exactly what I was asking if you could, uh, and it would probably be particularly helpful with programming because what one issue I run into is that my I have to have like separate push to talk buttons programmed on Discord because the button that I use on the on my formula rim does not send the same number as the button that I use on my oval rim. 
and that cost me a little bit actually when I'm flight simming too, because one of those buttons it thinks is <laughs> that button as well. So I can't use a certain button in discord on, on, uh, or in the flight sim because I have to use it for discord because it's already set and I don't want to switch it back and forth when I'm changing games. All right. I saw somebody in the chat recently talking gloves. Was that you, John? No, you know, that may, might've been Greg Hectus or, uh, I, I'm not sure, but you know, Sean at the sim pit, uh, has now released sim pit themed racing gear, including, uh, gloves, shirts, you know, you name it. Now I'm a big fan of Sean at the sim pit. He has some really good videos. Uh, but I do want to just say before you buy this stuff, go to iracerslounge.com, find the merch section and get a, get the iRacers Lounge uh, merch, and then go to Sean's Sim Pit and get stuff. You know, I need to see if we can actually get gloves. I don't know if that's an option, but we should put that on there. So, uh, yeah, I watched this video, and, uh, yeah, he, he really likes the gloves anyway. There, this this company, the IBM Racewear, you can customize it however you want. You can you can put anything on there that you want, and they'll, they'll make it for you. I believe that's how that one works. And it's IMB, not IBM, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty neat option, though, but I, I agree. Go go buy some of our merch first. Yeah. They also have boots coming out, too. He didn't have his shoes yet, but uh, the shoes were coming. I think socks as well. So uh, they had a whole line of different stuff. Yeah, but do visit that, listeners, because Sean, he's a great contributor to the, the sim racing world that we live in and love so much. And he's got some good things there. All right, we've talked about wanting to have a convention in the U.S., sim racing related. Uh, this is a step in the right direction, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, um, I assume this is an email or a post. Um, Semicube is visiting the, the U.S. the first time uh, December 7th through the 9th in Indianapolis performance racing industry. Is this in Indianapolis, like Indiana? Uh, we will have active pedals, uh, semi-cube twos, and the new Valo GT23 wheel. Uh, we are partnered with Advanced Sim, Advanced Sim Racing, uh, who will bring two motion rigs, so the setup is top-notch. We are genuinely happy, very happy, if you happen to pop by. Are any of us close to Indy? I'm only an hour, two, hour and a half, two hours. Well, there you go. It's time will, for a road trip. <laughs> I will be going. You can try out that active pedal and give us firsthand experience. Kind of curious. Yeah. Now. That's a surprise to me. So I, I tried to look up this Indianapolis performance racing industry, and I, I really couldn't find anything on it. Is that a, a, kind of like a mini expo for sim racing, or is this just uh, just exclusive something that Simicube's doing? It's an awkward title. I don't know if it is a convention or a business. It looks like it's a warehouse. Uh, seeing how far it is from me. Two hours and 13 minutes. So it's it, it's probably a, something more related to real life racing, but they're they're dabbling on the sim side as well. Well, hopefully you get to go. Keep us updated. Oh, yeah, definitely I will. Yeah, it looks like they got a retail floor and everything. I'm browsing through their website real quick. 
All right, this next one, I know we've covered this quite a few times already. Um, it's the Precision Sim Engineering Pro Switch Panel. And I guess the news is that you can now pre-order them. Um, and this is essentially something that looks almost like a... a, a uh, Stream deck, a, a stream deck, except a, a, the labels aren't changeable, but it still gives you the. It's basically a square grid button box, and it has a couple of knobs on it as well. And they're now pre-orderable. Is this the one that either Mike has, or he yeah. really likes this one? Mike, Mike is in love with this one. I think well, you know, the precision engineering does make really high end quality stuff. So anything you get from them is going to be really good quality. I may have misspoke though, or or maybe just at least the colors are changeable because uh, looking at the the flyer RGB lighting that integrates with our ChromaWorks software, which allows you to save and load multiple color profiles. So maybe it is more like a stream deck, and it, if it either maybe it has a display or it just ha at least has colors you can change, um, which would allow you to know, uh, make it a little bit easier to use just by organizing the colors. Well, and that wraps up the topics. So we'll move on to the results. We'll kick it off with the winter series. Uh, I guess I'll talk about mine first. Uh, I missed the week before because I was playing in a musical. Uh, but P7, my Steam VR basically we can say it on here shat the bed right it was crashing it every time i loaded it up within two seconds and kicking me right back to just windows mixed reality um could i tried reinstalling it and didn't do the trick so i at the last second i was like crap i'll just run it in open xr because i knew it would run in open xr but i can't do my overlays like i do there's it's just you can't do this do the, as many overlays in steam xr there's you can do like one through a complicated setup that i haven't messed with um, I had mediocre speed, just kind of mid-pack, but I stayed mistake-free when a lot of others didn't. A lot of big names got speeding in the pits. Um, and as a result of the fact that uh, we also had some nice clean green flag racing, only the two cautions. The first one we probably should have pitted on, but even after we didn't pit that first caution, I ran back a couple of guys on fresh and passed them who had 20 lap fresher tires. So it was nice to have the long run speed and the league is going really well this year on just clean racing. And, it, and it's such a stress relief after the NIS season I've had that it's just such a breath of fresh air to just be able to race. And when I catch somebody, they don't fight you too hard. They say, okay, if you've caught me, it, it, it's more old school racing, Mark Martin style racing. It's just been pleasant. Um, but capitalizing on everybody else's mistakes and staying mistake free brought home the P7. I did fix the Steam VR later. I had to delete the folder instead of just uninstall it and reinstall it. And that seemed to fix it. But I ran the race without any overlays. All right, John, you had a P16. Yeah, I, I started 23rd, finished P16. And I know P16 doesn't sound great, but, you know, when you when you look at the fact that I'm probably, I've probably got the lowest die rating in this whole series or darn close to it, finishing P16 is for, I was happy with it. I mean, I picked up seven spots. This is a league that has some really, really good drivers, including team Tafosi racers, you know? So 
I learned a lot watching some of these faster guys and picking up the lines they were running. And, you know, I picked up a lot of lap time toward the end, just watching all these guys and zero X on this race. And David, to your point, man, this is some clean racing in this league. These are some guys that are, you guys are top notch. Uh, so yeah, I had a lot of fun. I think this is a great league. Well, you guys know I keep track of who who has has caused major problems and kind of have a yellow card, red card thing going on with JRT timing, where you can it kind of warns me if I'm close to one of those guys. And there's not even a yellow in this league. All of the guys that cause all the problems in IS are are not there, and it and it shows. All right, Justin P14. Yeah. Um, it's kind of what I deserve, I guess. I, I ran out of gas too to go. I wasn't paying attention. I pitted with you, thought I had, I thought since you're good, I'm good. And yeah, it just said I was out of fuel and I, I got to sit down. I got to sit down with one of you guys and you guys got to talk to me like I'm five and figure out this JRT. So were you using JRT to calculate your fuel? No, I was using race labs. Yeah, I can't help you with race labs, but JRT does a pretty good job. Um, I just, it doesn't, the, uh, the, I've tried to figure out, I don't understand because you can set it for semi-auto fuel and you can adjust it to give 0 0.1, 0 0.2 liters extra or decrease it. I, I just don't know how All to right. do it. We'll pick a time and we'll, we'll take care of that. Easy. That's, I'll always help you with, with setting up the software because I've got it pretty well tweaked. I use... Uh, I use fully automatic in uh, in oval racing, and I use semi-automatic in road racing, where I, I turn it to where I have I click a button, and then it'll put that a certain amount of fuel in to finish the race, because because of the timed races, I always there's no cautions. I know exactly how long they're gonna go. So road racing, I, I go that way. Oval racing, where you could I, I make sure that it puts in extra fuel, and also take doesn't put in fuel after we get to the end because I like to race in a light car. Some people think they like to the handling better with it full of fuel, but I, but you're faster if your car is lighter. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm yeah, I need help with that JRT because this race labs, I don't understand it because when I'm running NIS, obviously there's 50,000 more cautions. I'll either have way too much fuel at the end. I think some green, white checkers, that's why I've lost because of that. Cause they got minimal fuel where I still got five gallons in there. But then like this, I don't think my race labs was used to it and it keeps going green and it just burned it all up with its calculations. Uh, JRT is always basing it on your green lag, green flag runs. It doesn't, it doesn't assume any cautions. I don't know anything about race labs. All right, but that wraps up the winter series. We were the only ones I, who got to make it last night. Two caution race. Oh, I did forget to mention. I apparently won the half and half award because halfway through the race, I was in twelfth place, and there were twenty four cars. So that was purely lucky i didn't even know i i didn't pay that close of attention so i definitely wasn't trying to sandbag i was lucky to be that high at that point enough people had 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 problems already with the first green flag stop and let's see if we've got anything else yeah mike hasn't been running so we don't have his long list of of, of unofficial racing did you guys run anything else this week i've been I've been doing the winter series for the 87 cars and I'm, I'm top 10 in points still on both sides. I dropped a little bit, 
and um, I'm after the pod now I'm gonna do the Martinsville we'll see how that lasts cool cool I ran a few Daytonas on Saturday and almost won one uh, ran both of them in, with Tom and he was quicker than me but he kept getting wrecked out I just somehow was lucky and avoided all the wrecks then a kind of random update. I'm still doing that drive smart to Daytona that DJ EJ is putting on that contest and I can't find no more speed. I'm getting frustrated, but I'm still in the top 200. I'm 166. I've been falling an average of five to seven positions a day. So hopefully I got enough. Yeah, I did uh, some some A and B races and it had some pretty good finishes. Uh, just, you know, tweaking setups and doing things like that. I did watch Justin's race the other night at Darlington. He had some, he had some big names in that race. It was a lot of fun to watch. I think Dale Jr. was in that race, uh, Nim Cross and a few others. I mean, it was, it was a nice race to watch. He did a good job. I totally forgot about that. That was the highest split I ever raced. Um, I got junior got 13. I got 16th. I could I could see him out the front windshield when I was racing, so I was happy of that. And I, I think he uh, in one or two were racing at Darlington, and he got his fender in me a little bit, and he even kind of keyed his mic, and say sorry. So I was excited. <laughs> Did everybody kind of leave him alone and just let him race? Yeah, we had. Yeah, because who else was in there? Um, Justin Melello. I think he works with iRacing. Yeah, it was funny because someone made the comment and the race goes, looks like everybody's on their best behavior because there's a certain driver in here. Well, that's Nim for sure. Yeah. you If you if you cuss somebody out, he'll kick you from the race right then in there. Or actually, no, he doesn't kick you from the race. He just immediately bans your chat and then has to follow file a protest later. So... All right. Well, definitely going to be results light being the off season, right? No NIS. So that's making it, making everybody cut back a little. So that wraps up results and we can move on to final thoughts. And I'm going to shake things up a little and go reverse alphabetical sort of. So Justin, give us your final thoughts. Really not much. Just uh, dabbling in these 87s, trying to, keep my points up on both sides open and fixed and i'm i hope i got enough time on this drive smart to daytona to stay in the top 200 and go race uh that's what i feel more comfortable in one of my weak points is qualifying in these hot lap stuff so hopefully that goes well all right john what do you got well you just messed up on the reverse uh order there but but i'll go I mean, brian should go <laughs> but we, we, mike actually always does it by first name alphabetical living he, he literally just goes down the list so i'm just kind of going backwards up the list i, I do there's I, a system i stand corrected so uh you know the thing i'm i'm kind of excited because i've ordered my first ever sim rig and hopefully i'll get to use it before the next show so uh We'll see how that track racer goes. Brian, you're next. Brian, you're next. We're not getting any sound from you, bro. Still no sound. All right. Brian. Brian's final thoughts is that he waves bye to everybody. <laughs> His sound has failed. All right. My final thoughts. It Actually, Brian, key up again. I think I just... Yeah, I got it. 
I got a button on my headset, and then if I accidentally press it, I mute myself. So, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I got all, all my computer stuff, so I'm getting ready to start building, um, finishing my off-season projects to get ready for uh, 2024. Um, so that's cool. Um, one last thing, uh, I want to remind everybody, you've got about three and a half hours still if you want to get into uh, Racing's Black Friday sale. So it actually ends midnight tonight. So you still have a little bit of time if you haven't renewed your subscription to get uh, the discount. 25% off for renewals and 50% off for new users. Again, it's, it's pretty much the best deal you're going to get all year round. Well, in all likelihood, since Mike's in the middle of his of his move i don't think it'll get out before before the deadline hits but so consider yourself unlucky if you get this update and think oh yeah my final thoughts are uh looking forward to having mike back to full strength and, and racing once he's all set up um i'm sure he's going to enjoy having everything put back into place and, and organized and and then i've really kind of already hit it it has been refreshing to, to be able to run in that in the league and have such clean racing, um, and it's it's become enjoyable again. And I've, it's sort of unfortunate that I can't regularly commit to a league because I play so many music gigs. But I'm not going to give up the music gigs. So league racing just will always end up taking a back door to the to the NIS because I can work around with NIS compared to to only being able to run that one night a week. But it was fun. All right. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.